Do you ever feel overwhelmed? I mean, I know that I do. Uh, it seems like if it's not one thing, it's another. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe it's a, a deadline or a crisis at work, or maybe it's just the normal stuff of soccer practice, gymnastics class, laundry to fold, errands to run. Or, or maybe it's something that you know came in unexpectedly, some sort of problem with the car or some problem with the house. I mean, you, you get the idea, right? And it just seems like sometimes you know there's an ebb and a flow to life, and other times it just seems like it doesn't stop. The good news is that there's an answer for this in scripture. And today we're gonna to explore it together as we start out this series. Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So we just came out of a series talking about his final hours, Jesus' final hours here on earth and the way that he carried himself and the way that he showed his love to us in the midst of it. One of the things that really stood out to me in there is how um, he came not to be served, but to serve. And one of the ways that I wanted to apply that concept in this series is just seeing that the place of prayer and the place of quiet times and the place of rest is an, is an area where God came to serve us, not to be served. That Jesus continues to do what he did on the cross and what he did throughout his life by serving us in those times. And, and so I've called this series Make Room to Be Refreshed because I want us to take some time to find a way to make time so that we can rest a little bit, so that we can find some refreshment, so that we can find a little bit of peace in the busyness that we just talked about. And I think as we think about that busyness that we struggle with, I think it's easy to feel like that's a, a problem that's sort of unique to modern times. That, and I think there's something true to this, that there's something about our culture that sort of uh, at least encourages us, if not requires us to be busy at times. But as I think about it, and I think about what really drives our tiring and our busy schedules, the reality is that the, responsibility that the responsibilities that drive those are as old as society itself. So what I wanted to do then is I wanted to take us back. I wanna go all the way back to the story of Moses and live a day in his shoes to see what we can see in that story. So shortly leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, Moses basically found himself responsible for some 600,000 families. And I mean responsible for them in, in the truest sense of the word. Whenever they were hungry and they didn't have food, they came to Moses. Whenever they were thirsty and they needed water, they came to Moses. And whenever these weren't a problem and they were fed and they were, you know, they had water, then at that point, maybe some dispute arose. And so they came to Moses. And Exodus basically tells us the story that he would sit down in the morning and he would, all the people would gather around him and they would present their case as to what happened and, and who they thought was in the right and, and why they thought their case was right. And Moses would hear their case and ultimately decide who was right. And in the process, what he was trying to do is he was trying to teach the people of Israel God's laws. He was trying to teach them the truth in the process of doing that. The problem was that because there were so many people, he wouldn't just do this in the morning. Once he sat down and they started coming, it took him all day. He sat there all the way until the evening as he did this. And one day Moses' father-in-law Jethro came to visit. And I think it's important to understand that the two of them likely had a very loving relationship. See, I, I, I imagine that, you know, since Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, that Pharaoh probably wasn't much of a father figure for Moses. You just gotta imagine that. And I think as a result, you know, then Moses really didn't grow up with much of a father figure. Whenever he, he escaped, he ran away from Egypt and he finds himself on the backside of this mountain and he starts serving Jethro, taking care of his sheep. And I think that there's this relationship that developed between the two of them. I mean, you can see some of it here as we get into this story. But Jethro came, you know, and he, he looked at everything that Moses was doing. I'm sure Moses was showing him around, you know, saying, hey, dad, you know, see what, see what all I'm doing here, basically. 
And Jethro's response was this, I'll, I'll read it for you out of Exodus 18, 17. He said, what you are doing is not good. And again, you know, we're, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of Moses uh, in this story. And I, I think if I was in these shoes, I'm showing him everything that I'm doing. And I hear this, I go, what, what do you mean? You know, I, I'm doing good things. I'm providing for God's people. I'm caring for God's people. I'm teaching them about the truth of God's word. I'm doing good things. And you know, honestly, I'm, I'm giving it my all here. I'm getting up early. I'm going to bed late. I am working as hard as I can. What do you mean that I'm not doing good things? And, and Jethro goes on in that same verse to effectively answer that question. He says, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for this thing is too heavy for you. And so as I read that, what I realize is that the more that God was asking him to do, the more that, that God was asking Moses to do was actually less. Now, maybe you can identify with Moses in this story. I, I know that I certainly can, where I tend to lean that direction, where I lean into pursuing success and um, working hard and trying to be productive and, and sort of seeing myself in that light as something that's important to me, important for me to know who I am even sometimes. And we have a series um, that we talk about um, where we talk about finding satisfaction. And in there, I've got a post where I talk about what it means to find satisfaction in success and how the scripture actually enables us to do that and teaches us how to do that. I'll put a link for that below in case that's something that might be helpful to you. So like I said, the more that God was asking Moses to do was actually less. And what that meant for Moses specifically, and if you read more of that passage, you'll see that um, what that meant for Moses is that he needed to let go of some things, that he needed to ask for help, get others to help to carry the burden, and basically just trust that it was all going to work out, that, that he could set up systems and delegate and trust that things were going to work out. And maybe you're like me, and that's, that's a hard task. That's a hard ask, but it's difficult to really trust that things are going to work out. And maybe even, you know, if I'm honest, it feels a bit like I'm admitting defeat. Whenever there's something good that I'm doing and I start to realize like, you know, maybe all the things that I feel like I'm doing are good at a certain level. And the reality though, is that it's just simply too much for me. And so I have to stop doing them. That feels like admitting defeat, which is not a, a sort of uh, attractive concept. I don't want to start waving the white flag. Um, but the reality is that in this verse, we're almost taught that that's, that's part of what we need to do, that we're not admitting defeat there, that there's something good in it for us. And, and, and maybe though you're, you're like me also in a different way, where I struggle to sort of want to come across as busy. I want to be busy um, for other reasons, where maybe you know there's this expectation whenever you're talking to people, or maybe even a tiny bit of a contest, uh, to be busy whenever people ask, you know, what, what you've been up to and, and to sort of communicate, you know, oh yeah, no, it's just been so busy. I feel like that's, whenever I ask people, you know, what, what's going on for them, that's the most common answer I feel like I get. I feel like there's something in that. And, and as I thought about that and I thought about why do I do that? The reality is that I think part of the reason that I do that is because being uh, busy is almost how I define myself as important. And I, I know this sounds terrible, but I think that sometimes we do this where we think that our sense of self-worth and our sense of importance sometimes is tied to how full our schedule is. Now, regardless, you know, whatever our reason for being busy, Jethro's advice, which is in the scripture, mind you, makes it clear to us that being busy simply isn't good. So what I want us to do in this series is take that advice to, you know, ask for some help with a few things, let go of a few things and stop worrying about the rest. 
there's something good for us in this. And we, we've got another series where I talk about the concept of rest and what it means to rest and how being aware of our weaknesses is actually what enables our rest. We talk even in there about the work and the worry and how we set aside the worry so that we can enjoy the work that God has given us. I'll put a link for that series below in case that's something that might be helpful to you and that you wanna explore further. But what happened for Moses? He did take Jethro's advice and he made some room to breathe. And then whenever he did make that room, God filled it. But he didn't fill it with more assignments or bigger projects or you know, some new calling that, that God had set aside for him. No, he filled it with his presence. You see, it was in Exodus 18 where Jethro was giving this advice. And in the very next chapter in Exodus 19, we have the story of Mount Sinai. That after Moses made room, it was then that God invited him up to Mount Sinai because he had the time to engage with God in this way. And this experience on Mount Sinai is the one that we all point to as this unprecedented encounter with God. And you see, it was up here that Moses received the Ten Commandments and also where he saw and encountered God's presence, that God let his goodness pass before him so that he understood who God was in a totally new way. You see, Moses had to let go of the things that he was keeping himself busy with. But as a result, he had room. And he had room to receive the invitation that God had for him to an incredible encounter. And see, what I want you to understand is that all of the productivity of Moses' business and everything that he was accomplishing in that pales in comparison to what he accomplished by this incredible encounter with God. What's more is that I want you to understand that God is extending that same invitation to you. An invitation to accomplish more by doing less. To make room in all of the busyness, let go of the strain of busyness and to be refreshed by his presence and to receive an encounter that leaves a lasting impact. Here's the thing about this invitation though. I think sometimes whenever we look at that invitation and the way that we view this invitation from God is that we can almost feel like there's a bit of a weight to it, that it almost feels like something of an obligation that we have to fulfill. But I wanna tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. This is almost like the, the parable of the wedding feast from Matthew 22 where God is inviting us to something so that he can serve us. And next time, that's what I wanna explore, is what does this invitation really look like? How does this invitation become an opportunity where God actually serves and encourages us so that we can be inspired to take God up on that invitation and to really receive it and receive what he has for us in it? Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you won't wanna miss it. I'll also put a link for this series below in case you're watching this later and you wanna, you wanna watch uh, everything here. And either way, I appreciate you spending time with us today and I hope that this was helpful for you. Thank you.